Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you win the race Christ has marked out for you. This is the final week of our four-week series, Five Habits That Shape Godly Men, before we begin our new fall series, Protecting Our Families from Enticing But False Worldviews. In case you're joining the podcast for the first time, it might be helpful to know that what drives the podcast is the desire to hear well done from the lips of our Lord after running the race marked out for us. Just as the key to success in athletics is training, building the right habits, we know that in the spiritual world, the same principle holds true. We shape our habits and then our habits shape our lives. So this past month, we began a study of the habits that take us toward Christ-like character. Today, we look at a fifth life-changing habit from Jesus' life, loving those around him by devoting himself to fighting for them in prayer. Thanks for joining us today for Season 3, Episode number 37 of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yagel. Do you wish you had a little more motivation for your prayer life? I know I could use some more. That's our objective as we examine Jesus' prayer life in this episode. But first, let's review the first four habits we've covered in this series. We began with the most important habit of all, regularly realigning our hearts, building the habit of resetting our heart affections on the Lord as our first love. The importance of keeping the affections of our hearts set upon God first is underscored by our Lord, who told us that the first and greatest of all commandments is to love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Keeping our hearts properly aligned is the most vital discipline any human can have because God says to us, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. In this episode, which was number 34, August 14th, we looked very specifically at how to build a weekly habit into our lives that resets our affections on delighting in the Lord. Then in the second half of that episode, we examined a second habit that shapes the life of a godly man, the practice that caused both Joshua and David to flourish, meditating on the Word of God. Frankly, the promises of God that accompany gaining God's wisdom are staggering. Her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life. To those who take hold of her. Then, two weeks ago, in episode 35, we saw the power of investing our treasure in kingdom ministry because wherever our treasure is, our hearts will follow. We looked to scripture to answer the question how do I determine how much my check each month to support kingdom work should be? Then, last week, we studied a fourth habit the pattern we observed in Jesus' life of escaping to the wilderness to meet with his CO, God the Father to pray about his mission. We ask the question, if God has ordained a world in which success in nearly every pursuit requires a game plan, why would we think that accomplishing his mission for us would be any different? 
especially when we see Jesus modeling the practice of getting away with his Heavenly Father to pray about his mission. We invited a busy 27-year-old high school teacher and football coach to share his practice of finding an hour Sunday morning before church to focus with his CO on his mission. So today, let's dig into another discipline of Jesus, praying specifically for the spiritual battles of those he cared for. Jesus' life was as full and busy as ours is, and we saw that last week. Yet Luke was astounded that in the midst of Jesus' forensic pace of ministry, he got away to pray so much. Listen to Luke's words from chapter 5. After Jesus heals a leper, Luke says, Now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke, the historian, while recounting the life of Jesus, was struck by Jesus' radical devotion to prayer. The crowd is exploding. The needs and opportunities to teach, heal, cast out demons are growing exponentially. But nothing could change Jesus' astonishing devotion to shut out the crowds and pray. Then later in chapter 22 of Luke's gospel, some details about the text, that text, reveal more about Jesus' devotion to interceding in prayer for those he loved. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might shift you like wheat. That's Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Here, the Greek word you is plural, indicating that all the disciples are in view. Satan is seeking to violently shake every one of the disciples. Satan is real. He is the destroyer. He hates followers of Christ. Jesus devoted himself to interceding in prayer for his team, his loved ones, his disciples. Jesus' method of combating Satan was prayer. You know, when I read this story, I think, well, you know, Jesus was God. Why didn't he just command Satan to leave Peter and the other disciples alone? Why did he have to go to prayer to the Father to do that? Well, I don't know the answer. (laughs) There's so much we don't know about the way God the Son emptied himself, as described by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. But we see here that Jesus, God's Son in the flesh, fights Satan with prayer. As Jesus continues the conversation in Luke 22, Jesus does switch to the singular word you to address Peter. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Notice how specifically Jesus' prayer was tailored to the spiritual battle that would surround Peter. I have prayed, Peter, that though you will betray me, your faith ultimately will not fail. I have prayed that you will come back to me. And then Jesus instructs Peter, when you do, strengthen your brothers. My prayer, Peter, will be answered. You will come back to me after failing me because I pray that your faith will stay strong. And when that happens, there's something I want you to do. Strengthen your brothers. Very specifically, Jesus' prayer gave spiritual power to Peter. 
the power needed to resist Satan's attempts to undermine Peter's faith. Consistently, Scripture reveals that prayer for others empowers them to defeat Satan. Let's examine a few more texts. After Jesus returned from the Mount of Transfiguration, he finds his disciples arguing with a group of scribes. The text says, And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. So Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Let's look at a second text, the best-known text about spiritual conflict in Scripture, Ephesians 6. It begins, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Then Paul gives us two basic commands. Put your armor on so you can use it to stand firm. That's verses 13 through 17. And the second command is pray. The words are praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Again, we see God telling us that the way to fight Satan is to pray. Interceding is not something that we do for our loved ones simply because God commands us to do it but also because it stops Satan's destructive work in their lives. A third text. When we realize that the Old Testament gives us physical pictures of spiritual realities, Exodus 17 communicates this same truth. Prayer is the way to defeat the enemies of Christ, the powers of darkness. So Exodus 17, verses 10 through 13 So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. I can think of no clearer picture of the power of prayer to defeat Satan than this. As Moses lifts up the staff of the Lord in prayer, Joshua and Israel down in the valley prevail. But when he lowers his staff, no longer in prayer, the Amalekites prevail. Incidentally, Aaron and Hur provide a great picture of why we need other brothers in our lives. Like Moses, our arms of prayer get weary. 
Unlike Moses, we cannot see the spiritual victories that take place in the lives of our loved ones when we pray, which makes our arms lifted up in prayer get heavy quickly. The truth is that every last man listening to this podcast has loved ones, a wife, kids, friends, neighbors, down in the valley who will lose spiritual battles if we do not pray for them and will win those battles if we do. Prayer defeats Satan. Renowned missionary Wesley Duell writes, Prevailing prayer is God's ordained means for extending his kingdom, for defeating Satan and his empire of darkness and evil, and fulfilling God's eternal plan and bringing into effect his righteous will on earth. It is God's means of covering the earth with his blessings. Prevailing prayer is God's priority strategy for our age. Another way that prayer is linked to defeating Satan is the fact that many places in Scripture, prayer is linked to the conquest of Christ's kingdom. This is, of course, the conquest of the kingdom of light over the kingdom of darkness. Our calling as Christ followers is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is to seek to displace the prince of the power of darkness and his evil cohort from their rule over earth, spreading Christ's kingdom instead. This link between defeating sin to advance Christ's kingdom of righteousness and prayer is quite clear in Jesus' instructions about prayer. Jesus says to pray, may your kingdom come. That's your kingdom of righteousness, of course. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is total surrender to the righteous will of God. As we pray for righteousness to overcome evil, specific biblical texts apply this principle of prayer to our own personal godliness while other texts apply it to the righteousness of Christ spreading over the earth. Let's look at these two categories. First, concerning our personal growth into holiness, Jesus linked prayer directly to the spiritual fruit of our lives. Probably standing in front of a grapevine, Jesus said to the twelve, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The fruit of the Spirit, like, for example, the faith that Jesus' intercessory prayer enabled in Peter, comes about, Jesus tells us in this text, through prayer. But prayer is not just the power behind overthrowing our personal sins. Psalm 2 tells us that prayer is the appointed way that Christ is spreading his kingdom over the nations right now. Psalm 2 consists of a conversation between God the Father and God the Son, beginning with God the Father's scorn for mankind's arrogant attacks against him and his anointed one, Jesus. But they will be defeated by Jesus' prayer. Here are the words. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed one, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill, and I will tell of a decree. The Lord said to me, 
This is God the Son speaking of what God the Father had said to him. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Jesus is interceding right now for the overthrow of Satan's kingdom and spread of the kingdom of righteousness over the nations. The biblical case could not be more clear-cut. Intercessory prayer gives our loved ones spiritual power to defeat Satan. Here is a succinct rapid-fire list of benefits of devoting ourselves to intercessory prayer for our loved ones. Number one, intercessory prayer is God's ordained means of releasing spiritual strength, blessing, and power. James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. Number two, intercessory prayer gives vital needed strength to our loved ones in their spiritual battles. Ephesians 6, verses 19 through 20, pray that I may declare the gospel fearlessly as I should. Number three, intercessory prayer is God's ordained way of defeating Satan. And of course, we saw this, Luke twenty-two thirteen. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Number four, intercessory prayer was the central part of a priest's responsibility and is thus part of our calling as priests of God. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a royal priesthood. Number five, intercessory prayer is the way Christ's kingdom advances. Psalm 2.8, we just read, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. Number six, intercessory prayer is God's means of producing spiritual fruit. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as we've seen. And then Galatians 5 explains the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Number seven, intercessory prayer is the means to joy that Jesus wants us to experience. John 16, 24, ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Number eight, intercessory prayer strengthens our faith as we see God's answers, and it is especially our faith that pleases God. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number nine, intercessory prayer deepens our relationship with God, thus satisfying the deepest yearnings of our heart. 1 Corinthians 6.13, you were made for God, and God is the answer to your deepest longings. Number 10, intercessory prayer is a way to daily lay down our lives for another. It is sacrificing some of the minutes that constitute my life for the benefit of others. Galatians 5.13, be servants to one another in love. Number 11, intercessory prayer is the command of God for us. Ephesians 6, 8, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. And finally, number 12, intercessory prayer was a distinctive mark of our master's life, the one we are to emulate. Luke twenty two thirty one and 32, he would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. 
So let's look for encouragement to a few facts of church history to see the link between prayer and the kingdom of darkness being overcome. Earlier this year, I pointed to the remarkable historic results of a decision made August 27, 1727, by the Moravian community of Christians in Herrenhut, Germany, to begin an around-the-clock prayer watch. This commitment to intercessory prayer continued nonstop for over 100 years. Church historian A.J. Lewis explains, For over 100 years, the members of the Moravian Church all shared in the hourly intercession at home and abroad, on land and sea. This prayer watch ascended unceasingly to the Lord. Here are some of the astounding historical events that took place during those 100 years. Again, it began in 1727. In November 1734, just seven years after the intensified prayer effort began, Jonathan Edwards delivered a series of sermons on justification by faith alone, resulting in a great revival in Northampton and along the Connecticut River Valley in the winter and spring of 1734 through 35. In the 1730s and 1740s, that's three to 13 years after this prayer focus began, the Great Awakening took place in America, having an immeasurable impact on the shaping of America and the world through America. In 1738, 11 years after the prayer meeting began, John Wesley, after two years of fruitless ministry in Georgia as an unconverted minister, met a group of Moravians on the ship as he returned to England. In England, he joined a Moravian group leading to his famous conversion May 24, 1738, when he felt his heart strangely warmed. He went on to traveling over 4,000 miles every year as a circuit rider, preaching some 40,000 sermons in his lifetime. When he died, the denomination he founded contained 294 British preachers, 71,668 British members, along with 198 American preachers and 43,265 members. He was a meticulous record keeper. All of this fruitfulness in his ministry took place during the 100-year prayer watch of the Moravians. Remember, that prayer watch started in 1727. Wesley died in 1791. In 1741, 14 years after the prayer meeting started, Englishman George Whitfield traveled to North America, where he eventually traveled 5,000 miles and preached over 18,000 times to 10 million listeners in Great Britain and her colonies. The Baptist Missionary Society was founded by William Carey, who subsequently went to India, the second largest country in the world by way of population. That took place in 1792. The London Missionary Society was formed in 1795. The American Mission Societies began in 1787. And the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions in 1810. It was during this 100 years of intentional prayer by the Moravian Church that these mission societies were founded, which became the foundation for the next century known as the Great Century of Christian Missions.
This period, 1815 to 1914, witnessed the greatest numerical and geographical expansion of the missionary enterprise of any epoch until that time, including the penetration of the most populous nation of the world, China, by Hudson Taylor and the China Inland Mission. Your heartfelt prayers of intercession for your loved ones have no less power to defeat Satan. James 5.16, tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. To summarize this episode, one of the habits of Jesus that is often overlooked but extremely powerful is his habit of regularly withdrawing to a secluded place to intercede for those closest to him. He tells us directly that Satan demanded to shake his disciples like wheat, but that Jesus was countering Satan's attack in prayer. The biblical case that Satan cannot stand before prayer is irrefutable. Besides what Jesus told them about Satan's demand to shake them as wheat, we also noticed, for example, Jesus explaining to the Twelve that their exorcism failed because only prayer could drive out Satan from this boy. We also observed that Paul's famous teaching on spiritual warfare isn't just to put on our spiritual armor, but to pray. And then we saw that Joshua's defeat of the Amalekites was really accomplished through Moses' prayer up on the mountainside. And that's an Old Testament picture of the New Testament reality of spiritual battle. And then we saw that the prevailing of Christ's kingdom of light over the kingdom of darkness happens in our hearts through prayer for godly fruit and throughout the nations as we join Christ the Anointed One in praying that by his name and through his power, his kingdom will spread over earth. We saw that prayer is a path to joy and a part of our calling as priests, as well as a way to fight the power of darkness. For further prayerful thought, number one, what are the obstacles you need to overcome in order to more consistently intercede for your loved ones? See your show notes for additional questions. Next week, we begin a new series entitled Protecting Our Families from Enticing but False Worldviews. The foundational verse for this series is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. As men called to protect our families, we need to be watchful. Paul describes spiritual warfare in terms of ideas. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Because of the power of the social media today, there may have never been a time when Christians have been more vulnerable to being shaped by false, destructive, unbiblical ideas. But our goal is not just to combat those ideas— but to equip ourselves and the rising generation to speak biblical truth winsomely into the culture to counter false, destructive worldviews. For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And thanks for being with us today.